I'd like to turn this morning to the book of Matthew, the 19th chapter, and look at verse 16. Matthew 19, verse 16 reads, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life. I'd like to bring you greetings from the church in Los Angeles. We're very happy to be here this morning, here to visit daughter, son-in-law, and grandchildren, but this is a privilege to be here. This account of the story that we nickname the account of the rich young ruler is given in the book of Matthew. It's given in the book of Mark, and it's given in the book of Luke. And the advantage to that is, is you get the same account told from three different perspectives. They don't contradict each other, but they give different details. So that what we know from this is that a rich young ruler came running to Jesus, and he knelt before him and said, Good master, what good thing can I do that I can have eternal life? This was obviously a concern for him. He wanted eternal life. He wanted to go to heaven. He wanted to make sure that everything was right between him and his Lord. And he obviously didn't have that assurance. There's many people today with that problem also. One of the things that I really love about the gospel is that you can be saved and know you're saved. You can be ready for heaven and know you're ready for heaven. I've talked to people and they've told me before, well, I guess I will find out if I'm ready for heaven when I get there. Don't take that route. You're in for a big disappointment. But you can know today through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you're saved. You can know that everything is right between you and the Lord. You can know that you're ready for heaven. This young man didn't have that assurance. And if you think about it for a minute, he was well-to-do. He was a ruler. He was young. He had some status in society. It took some humility for him to come before the Lord where everybody could see and confess that he wanted to know what he could do to be ready for heaven. Well, you know, the Lord picked up on something really fast. The first thing the Lord said to him, and you can find it in verse 17 here, is why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Matthew Henry wrote, that Christ would have him either to acknowledge him as God or quit calling him good. There is no one good other than Jesus Christ and the Father and the Spirit. Scripture tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together becoming profitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. I think 
Part of the problem is this young man didn't know who he was addressing. He was coming to Jesus Christ. If you look at the definition here of master, you can look up a Greek-English uh, lexicon. He addressed him as a good teacher. And Jesus Christ absolutely was a good teacher. In fact, I think you can make a, stat, a good case for the fact that there has been no other teacher as great as Jesus Christ. His teachings literally have transformed the world. But our Lord is so much more than just a good teacher. He's God. He's the one that went on the cross to save us from our sins. He was there at creation. It says that not anything was made without Him. And all things were made for Him. He has no beginning, no ending. It's so important when we bow our knees and go before our Lord that we understand who it is we're talking to. Christianity is not just a good philosophy or a good set of teachings or a good way to live your life, but it is actually we're praying to God, the only God, not a God, but the God, the one who all he has to do is speak a word and whatever concerns us can be fixed. But this young man didn't seem to realize that at that point. The other thing is, it seems that he was coming to the Lord as a good, moral person. You get this feeling through this without. And, you know, I think sometimes good, upstanding, moral people, when they come to the Lord, can have a tendency to try to take some of that goodness along with them when they go to the Lord. In this one situation, sometimes I think just the out-and-out ranked sinner has a little bit of an advantage. And it's this. When the sinner that comes before the Lord, and he knows he's a sinner, everybody around him knows he's a sinner, and he comes and pleads for salvation, the only thing that he can look to the Lord for is mercy. But when he tries to take, a person tries to take their own righteousness before the Lord, their own goodness, their own upstandingness, they, they need to let that aside and come as a sinner. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. But we need to come confessing our sin. Not our goodness. This man was looking to know what good thing he could do. What good work could he do? I mean, after all, he was good. The Lord was good. Everybody was good. At least that was his perspective. It says in Titus 3, 5, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. What this young man needed was not more good works. You, you look at, at what we know about him, and he probably had a whole string of good works he had done. doesn't say that. I'm just I'm inter- putting that in there, but I think that's probably accurate. But what he didn't need was more good works, but he needed God's mercy. That's true today, too. When we come to the Lord, what we need is His mercy. We will never make ourselves good enough to have eternal life. There's some people who think when they go to heaven, they'll get out some kind of scales. You know the scales, you put weights on one side and one goes up and one goes down. And they think, well, maybe God will put my good works on one side and my not so good works on the other. And whichever ends up, they'll go to heaven. It doesn't work that way. It's only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved. It is only through His goodness 
that we can have eternal life. Second Corinthians 521 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We need righteousness and we need goodness to have eternal life, but not our own. Isaiah 64, 6 says, Our righteousness this is our, as filthy rags. You take the best person that's ever lived, the person who's done the most good works on their own, and their righteousness is simply filthy rags. And so when one comes to the Lord, they must confess their sin. They must confess their shortcomings. They must confess that they're not good enough on their own to be worthy of eternal life. And by the way, eternal life is not earned. If you want to get what you earn, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But then it goes on and says, But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I think in our congregation today, we have many people who have a legitimate hope of eternal life. They know what the presence of the Lord is in their lives. They know what it's like to be saved and know they're saved. But what they have in their lives that's so precious and so good is not something they've earned, but it's a gift that came through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that was bought with the price that Jesus Christ paid on the cross when he, he went up on the cross and willingly laid down his life for you and for me. That's the good work that gets you eternal life. It's not something that we do. So this young man came and he says, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto them, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But then he went on and said, But if thou wilt enter into life... Keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. As I count it, the Lord Jesus quoted to him commandments 5 through 9. You will notice, though, that the Lord didn't quote to him the Tenth Commandment, which is, Thou shalt not covet. He also didn't quote to him the First Commandment, which is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The Lord answered Jesus' statement, and the young man said unto them, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? I, I, there's some question about how well the, this young man had kept all these commandments just because you can't live a victorious Christian life. You can't have victory outside of the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we can't do it on our own. If you're trying to live a Christian life this morning on your own, stop. I don't mean stop trying, just turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Live through His power, live by His grace. We know from 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How do they become new? By the newness that's in Jesus Christ. Not by our willpower, not by our strength, not by our ability, but by his ability. But, you know, I think this young man was, was 
trying to be sincere here. In fact, he was sincere. If you look in the account in Mark at this point, the scripture says that the Lord loved him. The Lord had compassion on him. The Lord wanted what was best for him. But you know, even when you come to the Lord and you pray to Him, and you're honest and you're sincere, that doesn't lower the Lord's standards any. Maybe some of you have ever had the experience of getting down and praying and having the Lord's spotlight just shine into your life. You feel the Spirit of God close. If there's anything out of place, it just stands out. Sometimes people start to pray and the Lord points to them a favorite sin or something they've been protecting. They'll say, oh Lord, let's talk about something else. Oh Lord, anything but that. But the Lord is so faithful just to point out the problem. And when the Lord looked in this young man's life, yeah, he may have kept accounts, uh, commandments 5 through 9 and he may have loved his neighbor as a self. But I believe when the Lord looked into his heart, he saw a great big idol there. His money, his riches, his status, the things that he may have even trusted in, kind of in the back of his mind, what would what get him through the hard time. The commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, was not one he was keeping because he had a God. It was his wealth. The Lord Jesus and Matthew 19, 21 says, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. It's easy to look at this verse here and say, I, I miss that one. I don't have any riches. I don't have any treasures. I think the Lord is looking to be number one in our lives. Verse 22 says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. His problem wasn't that he didn't see value in eternal life. He saw value in it. It wasn't something that he wouldn't make some effort. It wasn't something that he didn't desire. It wasn't something that he wasn't willing to follow to try to get. But the Lord demanded that in his life that the Lord Jesus be number one. When we go to follow Jesus, we have to take away everything that would keep us from following him. Everything that would hinder us from following him. And one of the things if we follow Jesus is Jesus has to be number one in our lives. If you're looking for salvation today, Jesus has to be number one. Nothing else can come come ahead of him. You can only have, by the way, one number one in your life. Some people would like to have two number ones. I have number one over here. Number one, we'll call that Jesus over there. It doesn't work that way. The Lord has to be completely and totally first. If you look in Luke 9, 23, and the Lord Jesus has said, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? I don't know where the rich young ruler ended up. Hopefully, 
He changed his ways. Hopefully, he put Jesus first at some point and is in heaven today. I don't know that. But I am certain of one thing. is those riches and those possessions that he had that seemed so important. He doesn't have them anymore. They're gone. In the same way today, whatever, there may be something that's more important in your life that's holding you back from serving the Lord. Someday, that's going to be gone too. If you live to be old, you know, I, I saw something the other day in, in the news and I, I thought I was amused by it because the guy was 108 years old and they were interviewing him. And he says, well, I'm 108 years old, but I'm not in the best of health. And he was looking like he was in pretty good health to me. He was talking. He knew what was going on. He's moving around. He was old by our standards. But you know, if you have whatever it is that keeps you from serving Jesus for 108 years, but after that it's gone, but you'll be in eternity for thousands of years. There's a song that says, in 10,000 years, we'll just be started. This young man was offered a wonderful deal. He could put Jesus first. He can make Jesus number one in his life and maybe he would deny himself for a few years. But all oh, the glory and all oh, the wonderful things that he have for eternity. It's the same way in our lives today. If there's something that's holding you back from serving Jesus, consider it. If you live even 108 years and you have full benefit for all those years, one day you'll leave it behind. On the other hand, if you put Jesus first today, you get the peace and the joy that comes with serving the Lord. You get the knowledge that you're right with the Lord. And suppose you don't live for 108 years. Maybe you only make it for 70. That's still old enough. You have the peace of the Lord. And I have never met anybody who gave something up for our Lord, who put the Lord first in their lives, who said, I'm sorry that I did that. I've met a few that said, I wish I would have put the Lord first sooner. I've seen some regrets on that, but I've never seen anybody who regretted putting Jesus first in their lives. For one thing, you can't outgive the Lord. It doesn't matter what you have. And by the way, this isn't just talking about money. Sometimes people will have a career, or they will have a relationship, or they will have friends, or they will have good times, or they will have a job, or you just fill in the list of all the things that people put before serving the Lord. Not one of them is worth it. Where are you at this morning? There's a consecration that has to be made to put the Lord Jesus number one and first. If you're saved today, Jesus not only had to be first when you got saved, he has to be first today. Or you won't stay saved long. Our Lord Jesus is calling this morning. I don't know where you're at personally, but we're all called to follow Jesus. The Lord asked this young man, the rich young ruler, two things. Give up the thing that was preventing him from following him and then to follow him. Today, we have the same assignment. 
There's something that prevents you from following Jesus. It's got to go. If you have an idol in your life, it has to be gotten rid of. If there's anything that's even a near number two, it has to be put down. Jesus Christ has to be number one. And we put him first. When we've denied ourselves and said, Lord Jesus, you're number one, then we need to follow him. It's really just that simple. And as we follow Him, we receive His righteousness. We receive His forgiveness. We receive His joy. We receive the knowledge that we're right with our Lord. That we're ready for heaven. What a wonderful bargain. We're going to open the altars and sing a song.